I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 70. That's crazy. It really is. Like, especially now that we're doing them every week, it's like they just like boom, 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 boom. Okay, let's jump right in. Hey, ladies. I'm an Uber driver and listen to y'all almost 12 hours a day. Holy shit. That's a lot of us. Nobody needs to be with us for 12 straight hours. No. But anyway, I have a paranormal story to tell you from my childhood. Growing up, I had a best friend named Andrea. Till this day, she is one of my closest friends 20 years later. But growing up, I would always stay the night at her house. Her mom was usually working late, so it would just be the two of us. I was in the fourth grade, and she was in the sixth when we met. I had no idea what Sage was when I met her, but I always saw it around her house and never knew why. Until one day, we were sleeping in her bed at the end of the hallway, and we both woke up, and there stood a woman all in black. She told me it was okay, and eventually I fell back asleep. In the morning, I asked her mom about it, and she said the lady is there every night. She has never hurt Andrea, but has physically injured Andrea's older sister one time. Oh my gosh. A few months later, Andrea's mom was getting married and moving about an hour away. So the day they moved into their new house, I went with them for a week. I wasn't ready for her to be far away. But anyway, Andrea, her mom, and I go shopping for some things for the house. Her stepdad stayed at the house to clean and organize. When we got home, he gave us a camera that he was taking pictures with and told us to look through them. We got to one picture of the outside where the porch swing was, and Andrea's mom asked him, Um, was there a little neighbor girl here? He said, No. But if you look at the picture of the swing, there's a little girl sitting on the swing in a white dress. Oh my gosh. What? We have no idea who she is or what her story is, but you can hear her rolling a ball in the upstairs of the house and running around. Andrea and her family are really open to the paranormal and things don't bother them. And 15 years later, they are still in the house and still chilling with that little girl. Thanks for your time. Creep it real, ladies. And if you ever come to Florida Panhandle, let me know. Well, first off, thank you for listening to us for like half your day. Seriously. Literally half your day. Was she like a solid figure there or was she kind of translucent? I totally thought you were going to say too, like when you look at the picture like of her on the swing, like she didn't have feet or something. Ooh. Do y'all still have the picture? Ooh, yeah. Okay, next one. Hi, Donna and Carrie. So this story isn't the most horrifying story by any means. And it's not even really a scary story in any way, but it's fucking weird. And I have no explanation for it to this day. Let me start by saying I don't believe shit unless I see it with my own eyes. I am skeptical of everything. And when I hear ghost stories or anything like that, I always try and find the most plausible explanation as to why something happened that is not paranormal. But what I'm about to tell you, I can't think of any reasonable explanation for why this happened. Some backstory. When I was a kid, my family and I lived next door to an older man named John. His driveway was right next to ours, and he had an old, light gray cutlass. Years prior to this story, John had gotten into a little fender bender and ended up having to replace the entire front of the car. 
The section that he had replaced ended up being a couple of shades darker than the rest of the car, so the front of the car was a medium gray and the rest was a light gray. It was so silly looking and made the car unique and one of a kind in and I got my car fixed on a budget kind of way. Keep this detail in mind for later. The car was very unique. So now the actual story. In July of 2000, when I was 12 years old, John was driving on I-95 when a tanker truck carrying jet fuel lost control ahead of him and flipped over, spilling the jet fuel all over the highway. John drove his car, that unique two-tone cutlass, through the jet fuel. The car immediately caught fire, and John had to slam his body against the door several times to get it open before the car eventually exploded after he had rolled out of it and onto the highway. He was badly burned and had some pretty severe injuries after the accident, but he miraculously survived. Wow. The story was all over our local news stations with images and video of the car burning down to the frame. We saw video of it while it was still on fire, where you could see it was clearly his unique car. And then we saw video and photos of the car's frame after the fire had finally been put out. That two-tone cutlass was completely destroyed. John came home from the hospital a few days after the accident. We went to visit him and he told us the story and we chatted and talked about how happy we were that he was okay. He had bandages everywhere and his arm was still in a sling. He was one tough cookie and incredibly lucky. John's driveway had been empty since the accident, obviously because his car was destroyed. A couple of days after we visited with John, I was going to the bathroom and I had a habit of glancing out of the bathroom window after I peed. I still do it to this day actually. I don't know why, but anyway, I glanced out of the window like I usually did. The bathroom window faces John's house and his driveway was visible from the window. And what do I see in the driveway but that fucking two-tone cutlass. Uh Uh-uh. The same two-tone cutlass that was burned. Completely down to the frame. Less than a week prior. Y'all, I thought I was going nuts. I called my mom into the bathroom and just pointed out the window and said, Look what's in John's driveway. She said, oh my God, when she saw it and we both just stood there staring out the window at this car that we had just seen on video burned to a crisp earlier that week. The car remained in the driveway for the rest of the day. We went to bed that night and when we woke up, the car was gone. We never saw it again. To this day, I have absolutely no explanation for this. My mom and I still talk about it. And I'm so glad that she was home and saw it too because honestly, I am such a skeptic that if she hadn't also seen it, I would have probably said, maybe I'm misremembering, maybe I dreamt it or something. I literally always try to explain things away with logic, but this, I simply can't explain. I know this is probably relatively lame compared to some of the other stories you guys get, but to this day, it is one of the craziest things I've ever experienced. Keep on creeping on, ladies. Love, Danielle Z. Wow. No, I love this story. Me too. The weird shit is, to me, just as weird and creepy, you know? I completely agree. And I'm so glad your mom saw it too. So, like, why? And I almost thought you were going to say that he died that day. And so, like... Right. 
it kind of correlated with that. But I mean, did y'all ask him? Oh, yeah. Send us a follow-up email. For real, Danielle. She's like, this probably isn't as good. And we're like, okay, we need all the tea. Okay. Hey, ladies, I have a not-so-scary story for you. If you remember the haunted blanket story, I mentioned I trained my nephews how to scare their mom, my sister. The youngest of her three boys was about six or seven, and I asked him if he wanted to scare his mom. Of course he said yes with a mischievous grin. I told him when his mom wasn't looking to hide under her bed and when she walks by, grab her ankles. I asked if he would do that, and he eagerly nodded yes. Then I told him it's a secret and don't tell his brothers. Now, I didn't think he'd actually scare her, but it would be funny. A good year passes, and I get a text from my sister asking if I told Patrick to hide under her bed. Insert evil laugh. I let her know that I told him a good year ago, and I was surprised he remembered. She had no idea how long he had been laying under the bed, just waiting for her to walk by at that perfect moment. When she walked by, he sure as shit grabbed her ankles, and her scream was epic. After she realized she wasn't going to die, she asked why he did that. He threw me under the bus, telling his mom I told him to do it. I don't mind, though, because it was worth it, and I wasn't even there. She gets her revenge, though, with the creepy doll that Patrick hates. Creep it real, ladies. I have more scary and not scary stories I'll send in. The evil older sister, Chandra. Oh, my God. She's in the, she's in a picture, and that's the creepiest doll. It is. It really is. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is. I put it in there and Carrie didn't know. <laughs> Insert evil laugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. I was going to tell you that we had a picture. Well, I saw that there was a picture in there, but I didn't see, like, what it was. And I'm zoomed in to read the words because, hello, blind. So the image was zoomed in. Oh, Woo. my God. <laughs> I love scaring people. I love being scared, not, like, real life scare like again like I, I don't fucks with sleep paralysis but like you jump out and scare me from a corner and that shit is fucking funny and she's the easiest person to scare yes it's not ever like a oh shit you scare no 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 no. it is level 10 afraid for my life <laughs> scream every time i'm like it's during the day and i look like fucking shack behind a twig how did you not see me <laughs> I did get you the other day when you were coming out of the bathroom. And Donna fucking just does the Heisman and just, like, freezes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at all. I Yeah, I just shut down. <laughs> uh, I am not animated. I'm just like, mm, okay. Hey, girlies. So, I have a bit of a funny story for you guys about my niece. Also, please excuse any mistakes because writing this right now is giving me PTSD from emailing my professors and thinking I've got to be all professional and shit, even though I know you gals are cool. Winky face. Girl, I wouldn't know if there was like a grammar issue anyway. <laughs> you good? A little side tangent. Gmail has saved my ass so many times, though, for professors because it'd be like, uh, do you... like? Nothing's attached. Do you need to attach yes. something? I'm like, yes! Oh my God, you're amazing. <sighs> Outlook does it too. And yes. it's like, thank God. Yeah, now it saves me at work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. 
A little backstory, my niece is 11 and we do everything together. Let's call her Sally. For her privacy, but more in the case my mom ever hears this, gotta save my own ass. So Sally has always loved the same dark shit as me. I've made her watch Investigation Discovery with me since she was born, as well as shows that have anything to do with ghosts, and she enjoys it as much as I do now. I've created a monster, and I'm so proud. So literally the day I found y'all's podcast, I picked her up off the bus to make her listen, and she loved it and makes me play it 24-7 now. And I'm not complaining. We aren't either. I thought she would enjoy the Sinister Sightings episode, so I played all of those for her first. We were listening to one, and usually when a dirty story came on, I would skip ahead for her, but on this episode, can't remember which one, y'all were saying dildo like that shit was going out of style. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember that one. It was the dad who had the dildo and like the cops like searched or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. It was in the garage Garage, yes. yes. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> okay. So I kept skipping and skipping, and finally I thought the story was over. Then, before I could skip, you said something about, and not a direct quote, dramatized for the special effect. And of course, the first thing I grabbed was a big asshole dildo. <laughs> Oops. So I immediately paused the episode and prayed she didn't ask any questions. <laughs> I mean, this kid has heard her fair share of foul language and dirty things from Law & Order, SVU, of course, and she never asked me about things they say on there. But of course, on this day, she's like, what's a dildo? It took everything in me not to laugh. I just looked at her and said, I'll tell you when you're older. So thank you guys for that awkward silence. (laughs) And also, what is the correct age to learn what a dildo is? Asking for a friend. Fingers crossed, it's after I'm dead. I know this is short, but I hope it made you giggle. Love you girls, and the show is amazeballs. Creep it real, and bitch, you better not get scared. Anonymous. Um, fingers crossed may not have been the best choice of words. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, fuck. Now I'm like, wait, censor. Oh, oh. I think... I mean, 11, she's probably already hit puberty or about to. I mean, I don't think it's too early. Look, my mom had an 18 and older spot in her shop, so I knew what a dildo was by like three. Not even lying, y'all. Well, and I think, too, it just depends on how open their parents are talking about sex and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, we learned what anal beads were and like how to use them from my mom. Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't awkward. No. I mean, other than her sound effects. And I'm like, you had to do it, Patty Joe. You had to do it. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so glad you said oh that. Oh, my gosh. Like, I remember that. <laughs> and I love that. Like, oh, shit. Skip, skip, skip. And then it's like that last one. Because you know I have to say something. Every fucking time, like, God, that is amazing. And it's not paranormal, but that's scary in its own right. Right. Okay, the next one is probably not paranormal, but weird. 
Hi, ladies. I was listening to a Sinister Sightings recently that got me thinking about something I experienced. But I don't think it was paranormal, and I don't think it was true crime, although it could have been. Way back in 2000, after the election, I was working at a call center and I was bored. I began typing out a document that I called, The World is Going to Hell in a Handbasket. Needless to say, I was not happy with the results of the election. I made a series of predictions, and all, as it turns out, came true. I predicted we were going to end up in a war. I predicted that the stock market was going to crash. I predicted that either myself or my husband was going to lose our jobs as a result of the decline in the economy. And we did. Both of us. Oh, gosh. And so on and so on. I saved the documents on my work computer and then sent them to myself at home to my personal email. Then I forgot about it. I should also say that at this point, my supervisor was happy with the results of the election, although I'm not sure what difference that makes, although it could. Nine months later, after 9-11 happened, and yes, I predicted something along those lines as well, I predicted some kind of attack that would galvanize the country to be all for an attack in the Middle East. At that time, I went looking for my document. I tried looking a couple of times earlier, but not with real gusto. This time, I put my all into it. I looked everywhere I could, in my work documents, in my email, and in my personal email, and in my personal documents on my home PC. I looked for the copy of the document I had printed out and brought home. The document was nowhere to be found. I remember feeling a little creeped out. Was this Big Brother? Was this the NSA? Did they have the ability to seize a document to be deleted from everywhere? Or was this my own stupidity and I didn't actually do all of the things I thought I had done? I will never know. But I do know that as each one of those things happened I had predicted, I would have mentioned to somebody before it happened that it was going to happen. This is the only time something like this has happened to me. And I can tell you, I wasn't happy about the things I had predicted. If I could actually see the future, I would have predicted that I was going to have my leg amputated exactly a year ago. On an entirely different note, you should try asking people about oxy stories. After my amputation, the doctor saw fit to put me on a high dose of oxycodone, 10 milligrams four times a day. It kept me in a fog of hallucinations that were scary. I know y'all ask about ambient stories, and I've taken it, but I have no stories. I'm curious about Oxy stories. Who have people talked to who weren't there and what kind of conversations have they had? Thanks, ladies, for doing the Sinister Sightings Weekly. It makes me feel more connected to other creepy, naughty members. Okay, that's not what I said. Although we could have some creepy, naughty members. My phone was supposed to hear me say, creepy, naughty. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm really hoping I will get to meet you at the True Crime Podcast Festival in Kansas City. I bought tickets already, but I'm not sure if I can go. Creep it real, ladies, and don't get scared. Tina from Minnesota. Oh, Oh, Tina. Tina. Nobody got to go. Oh, so sorry. Next year. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully all of this is contained by next year. Oh, my gosh. That's, like, crazy to even hear next year. Like, I want to have a Halloween party. (laughs) I... Look, I honestly, every time it's like, oh, in two weeks, it'll be a, like, they'll have a vaccine or whatever. And it's like, no, no, it's been months. And, you know, it's just, we're so prone to that of, oh, no, like, True Crime Podcast Festival is going to happen. Like, yeah. it's in July and it's March yeah, or whatever, you know, like, it's totally going to happen. No, I got canceled because of this is still going on. Yeah, people like, are still dying. I legitimately was like, they're still going to have the 
true. Like, that's so far out. We're still going to have, like, seriously, we're still going to have that. Yeah. All right. Hey guys, I love your podcast. I discovered it a couple of weeks ago and it's been my favorite thing to listen to in the car or while I'm getting ready. To introduce myself a little, my name is Heather. I'm 29 years old and I live in Illinois. I work in storm restoration, but I read tarot cards and astrology charts on the side. I've always been intuitive, sensitive, whatever the fuck y'all want to call it, so I've had quite a few paranormal and otherwise odd experiences. I've had way too many to share all at once, so I'll leave you guys with one ghost slash demon story, one maybe past life story, and one story of a possible astral projection. I'm not the best writer, and I have severe unmedicated ADHD, so I'll try my best to make this as coherent as possible and avoid jumping around too much. I am so sorry if this turns out to be insanely long. So the first one's called Shadow People Don't Like Selfies. The first story took place back when I was a freshman in high school. I lived in a really small town, like 1,200 people or so at the time, and there wasn't a lot to do. I had a couple of friends, Tim, I'm changing his name because we no longer speak, and Caitlin. And sometimes we'd walk over to Tim's grandma's house after school and hang out and play on MySpace. One of these particular times was shortly after Tim's grandpa had passed away. His grandma was out of town and it was beginning to get dark outside. We were edgy as fuck and we decided that a cool thing to do would be to try to have a seance and contact Tim's grandpa. We collected a bunch of candles throughout the house and went to the basement because that's exactly where you want to be when you're about to summon a ghost. Face palm. So we lit the candles and sat cross-legged in a circle. We closed our eyes and asked if any spirits were around, and if so, that they please reach out to us. I feel that it's important to explain here, while Tim absolutely believed in the paranormal and had had plenty of experiences himself, he was more of a frenemy than a true friend. He always did shitty things to both Caitlin and I, and I'm not really sure why we continued to hang around him for so long. So Tim began to chant the name Jack the Ripper and asking him to come through. Right after this, the candles we were sitting around blew out like we were in the motherfucking conjuring, and we heard slow, heavy footsteps coming down the stairs. Now, it's dark except for the little light shining in from upstairs. I feel a sense of dread rush over me, and I can tell Caitlin and Tim are feeling the same. We all scramble up the stairs and out the front door, leaving our jackets and shoes behind. We all turn around to look at the house just in time to witness a massive black shadow walk past the upstairs window. Uh Uh-uh. We didn't want to go back inside the house, even just to get our jackets and shoes. We decided the best thing to do was walk across town to our friend Caleb's house. It was sometime between late September and mid-October, and if y'all haven't ever visited Illinois around that time of the year, I'll fill you in. October evenings are fucking cold. If you've seen that meme about, I hate living in the Midwest because I can never just be Spider-Man for Halloween, I had to be Spider-Man in a fucking jacket... That basically sums it up. 
I feel your pain, but only because we don't ever know if Halloween is going to be 90 degrees or 20. Like, because there's a chance that it's going to be fucking ice cold. And there's a really good chance that it's literally going to still be 90 degrees outside. Yeah. And so it's like, well, if I get this costume, I'm either going to freeze or if I get this costume, I'm going to sweat my ass off. Yep. We start walking, but no matter how far from the house we get, none of us can shake the feeling that something is still with us. Eventually, the feelings of dread become too overwhelming, and we started to run. Chest tight from the air and bare feet slapping the cold pavement. We ran up to Caleb's house and started banging on the door like crazy people. We still felt this feeling like something was lingering around us, but we all took comfort knowing that Caleb's mom was there, even though that makes no fucking sense because really, what's she going to do? Fast forward to later that night. All of our parents had picked us up and I was home for the night. While I was sitting at my computer, because having a fire MySpace page was more important to me than getting a full night of sleep back then, you know, priorities, I heard a loud crash coming from inside my closet. My chest tightened up and my heart shot up into my throat. Despite being a scared little bitch, I, white people in a horror movie, my way over to the closet to investigate. (laughs) I fucking love that verb. (laughs) One of the shelves in my closet had collapsed. This really freaked me out because there was almost nothing on that shelf and it was a new house, so it wasn't just old and weak. I took a deep breath and said, if something is here with me, please leave. You are not welcome and I do not want you here. Nothing else happened, but you can bet your ass I did not sleep. The next morning, I get off the bus and find Tim and Caitlin at school before class. The first thing out of Caitlin's mouth is, dude, the craziest shit happened last night after I got home. She proceeds to tell me that she got home and, like me, decided to stay up for a bit, but at some point, she started to hear something thumping around her living room. She said at first she thought maybe someone had broken in, but she peeked outside of her bedroom door and couldn't see anything. She decided to flip her phone into negative mode. Do you remember that feature on the old flip phone cameras? I think so. I don't remember it on old phones, but I know what it is because like, well, what I'm picturing is like how the iPhone will go into night mode or dark mode. Mm -hmm. So she decided to flip her phone into the negative mode, sneak down the hallway and take a photo of the room. When she saw the photo that she had just taken, she ran back to her room, locked the door, and she too did not sleep. Caitlin goes on to pull her phone out of her back pocket and flip it open. She opens up her photo gallery and hands the phone to me. Despite being in negative mode, I was still able to make out her living room with the couch and the curtains covering the bay window. What else I saw shook me to my very core. You could very clearly see a tall, and I mean head almost to the ceiling, black figure in a cloak or a gown, and y'all, it had wings. What the fuck? Right? So she locks a photo that she took of this Jeepers Creepers looking motherfucker, so it can't be accidentally deleted. Obviously, this is all crazy as fuck, so a few weeks later, we're at a party and started telling a group of people this story. 
Knowing it's batshit crazy and nobody is going to believe us, I tell Caitlin to show them the photo. She pulls out her phone and scrolls or clicks through her pictures with a puzzled look on her face. You saw me lock that picture, right? She asked me. Yeah, I replied. It was gone. The photo had somehow erased itself despite being locked. All right. This one is called Royally Weird. This next one happened to me when I was really young. So while some of the memories I have of it are still very fresh and vivid in my head, I know I've forgotten small details over time, so bear with me. It started as a somewhat lucid dream. I was dreaming about playing with my dad and I was riding on his shoulders in our house because that's normal when you're six or seven. At some point though, his running around and playing started to feel wrong. He started to run towards the hallway and I remember thinking, he knows if he keeps going, I'll hit my head and be knocked off, right? But he kept gaining speed until we were going unnaturally fast and there was a split second where a feeling of dread washed over me. That wasn't my dad. Instead of crashing into the top of the doorway and being knocked from his shoulders, I kept going through the wall. I know it sounds wild, but remember, I'm dreaming. Everything faded to white and there was this high-pitched ringing in my ear. When everything came back into focus, I was no longer in my living room. I was in what appeared to be a castle with long, winding hallways and stone walls. A massive tapestry with a coat of arms on it hung from a wall. I was in an elaborately designed dress, but I was still a child. I made my way down the hall, calling for my parents. At this time, I wasn't consciously thinking or looking for my parents, This all turned into a scene like watching a movie play out. I opened heavy wooden door after heavy wooden door in search of my parents. In one room, I saw a group of men in armor. It wasn't the stereotypical knight's armor that you see portrayed in cartoons or movies. The helmets were oddly shaped and the armor was dark, black with gold embellishing, and I didn't like it. I found it frightening and moved on. I walked to a part of the castle that I quote-unquote knew I wasn't really supposed to be in, but also knew my father to sometimes go down there. I opened the door and saw a group of men standing around someone who was strapped to a rack type of torture device and screaming. At this point, I woke up. This is one of those things that haunt me to this day, not because of what I saw, but more or less because I can't decide if it was a dream or something else. It's always felt like something more to me, and I can't explain how my mind knew what a torture rack was at six or seven years old. I've done a good amount of research and I found that the black and gold embellished style kind of armor and oddly shaped helmets I saw in my dream were really a thing, especially in the 15 to 1600s in various European countries. Again, something I couldn't have just known, especially at that age. On a joking but also serious note, it makes sense for me to have been nobility in a past life because your girl is lazy and high maintenance. Girl, I feel you on that. Me too. Okay, this next one is called Fancy Seeing You Here. 
Okay, if my shitty writing hasn't killed you yet, I have one more to include because, again, it's so weird. As I said in my introduction, I've always been intuitive. I've actually had other psychics tell me that I'm a natural magnet for spirits and I'm very naturally gifted. I've also had experiences that I can only explain as being astral projection-like for all of my life. The very earliest being when I was a baby, being outside of my body, watching myself hold myself up with the crib rail and cry. That's the only time I can remember this happening while awake and still can't explain this memory otherwise. Other early experiences include astral projecting to my parents' place of work and my grandparents' house, but also opening portals to other worlds or places that seemingly existed on top of our own reality, but that could only be accessed while I was asleep. If that doesn't sound confusing and trippy enough, when I was still young, I was genuinely confused as to why I couldn't get into those secret places, and in my head, they were secret passageways when I was awake. As I got older, I came to the conclusion that they were really just wild dreams from a child who was way too young to make sense of the world. Though I continued to have experiences like this into adulthood, I've always thought I've just had some wild-ass dreams. The first time I toyed with the idea that this was something more was after seeing Insidious and realizing that the astral projection scene was hitting a little too close to home. But still, despite all of these and my other paranormal experiences, part of me remained skeptical. In college, I had made friends with a guy named Eric. He was into spooky, creepy, unknown type things like me, and we became fast friends. One thing that struck me was the fact that the dreams he would tell me about had parallels to mine, the concept of going to other world or realities and meeting other beings. Again, I assumed we were both simply having dreams. Fast forward a while into the future, I have one of these dreams. Now, I suck at descriptive writing, and this is going to sound corny as fuck, but I found myself in what my brain wants to refer to as hell, even though that sounds ridiculous. But I digress. Here I am, standing in hell in front of this giant mansion. Think Rose Red or The Haunting, with this glowing white, blue-green river around it. Looking into the river, you could see faces, But there weren't like bodies under the water. They were like fluid. They were the water. And to make this sound just a little more cliche, the sky was blood red. I either don't remember or don't know how I got inside the house, but the next thing I know, I'm inside. It looks pretty much exactly how you'd expect that type of house to look. Victorian-style, huge fireplaces, a library with massive shelves, all the things. As I explored the house, I met with its owner, and at first, he's not happy. While you'd expect something crazy after everything I described, this guy looks like the Big Lebowski, except like 12 feet tall. And y'all, he lifts me off the ground. I don't know what made him decide to leave me alone, but something came over him and he put me down. None of this is important though. What is important is that while I was lifted up, I noticed from over the dude's shoulder, Eric is peering into the room. For a split second, we lock eyes and he turns around and bolts. 
Here's where it truly gets wild. The next morning, I'm like, wow, that was fucking weird, and go about my day. Then my phone vibrates. It's a message from Eric, and it says, I had the weirdest fucking dream, and I was in this crazy, scary house. I don't know how I got there, but I saw you in the library with this big, pissed-off-looking dude who had you. And then I realized that whatever I was experiencing, it was something more than just a simple dream. This one is called, The Time a Demon Saved Me from Burning My House Down. I know I said I would only tell you guys three badly written stories from my life, but I have one more I want to share. If you haven't gathered from my other stories, I'm very spiritual. And about a year ago, I got really interested in the idea of spirit guides, guardian spirits, etc. I was doing all the research, all the tarot card readings, and still wasn't getting a name, just characteristics they have. I decided to give one of those meet your spirit guide, guided meditations a chance. I waited for my boyfriend to go to sleep so I wouldn't be disturbed. Then I lit some candles and incense, turned on my salt lamp, darkened the rest of the room, and I made a pillow barricade so I wouldn't be jolted out of my peaceful little meditation bubble by my sleeping boyfriend rolling over on me or something. And I put my earbuds in. That shit must have been a little too relaxing because I fell asleep before I could meet my spirit guide. Instead, I only remember having a dream about fire. First, it started as a small flame and then it grew and grew. And as this was happening, I could hear a name being repeated in this whisper slash hiss type of voice over and over The flames continued to grow and spread and the name continued to repeat until the flames evened out to where they were also spelling the name out in fire. Just fire with the black background and nothing else. As the flames cleared a bit to reveal the name, I was jolted awake because the final time I heard it, it wasn't echoing out from the void. It was right in my ear. As my grogginess faded and my vision came back into focus, I noticed an orange flickering reflecting off the ceiling and wall. The candles, I thought to myself. I looked over. They were still burning. I blew them out and got up to pee. Because you have to pass the kitchen to reach our bedroom, I couldn't help but notice what the oven clock read. 3 a.m. I couldn't help thinking about the name that had been repeated to me over and over. I still remembered it because of the sheer repetition. Marbus. Being the curious person that I am, I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep until I got an answer on who or what Marbus was. Y'all, Marbus is a demon. This is probably the only story you'll ever hear about a demon not being a terrifying asshole. But as wild as this is, I swear this and every other story I just told you is completely true. If you're wondering, I've yet to hear from Marbus again, and we have never had any activity around the house either, if you're wondering. If I haven't lost y'all in my rambling by now, I appreciate you. Feel free to pick and choose which of these you tell. If you use them, I know they're long. Amazingly, I have more, but I'll save them for another day. Creep it real, y'all. Um, I loved all of those stories. They were long, but holy shit, they were all intense. And I cannot wait until your next batch of stories. So thank you so much. Okay, this one is 
stories almost kidnapped. Hi to my favorite spooky chicks, Carrie and Donna. Donna, you asked in the last Sinister Sightings for almost kidnapped stories and Ambien. Well, here you go. I did, and now I shall receive. Thank you very much. This is a story that my dad loved to tell while my mom would glare at him. Picture it. I was a few months old in 1978, and my parents flew to California to visit my dad's stepdaughter. While at Disneyland, my dad had me in a stroller waiting for everyone, and a Hispanic woman came up and in broken English said, Beautiful baby, I take? Well, my dad smirked and, uh, sure? He was thinking, obviously, this woman isn't serious, so the woman grabbed the stroller with me in it and started walking away. My dad was stunned, but watching her to see what she's doing. Well, mom came up and asked him what the hell was going on. Then she ran her angry, extra, extra large pizza ass, grabbed the stroller and me, cussed the woman out, and then proceeded to cuss my dad out. Oh my god. Okay, now this isn't a direct comedy action from Ambien, because I'm one of the few that it causes me to have hallucinations, so it's a buildup of scary ghost sightings. Oh, shit. Real quick backstory. Hubby's in my first apartment, attic of a house, dumbass landlord, started gutting his part of the house and didn't tell us. I started, quote, seeing things, which I'm already an empath, so I've always sensed slash feel energies not see. Okay, back to the main story. I had been completely freaked out by this point. One morning, laying in bed, I noticed a greenish glow coming from the living room, and I froze with fear. And I really had to pee, but I was too afraid to move. Well, I waited another 20 minutes, and thinking, how much longer is this stupid ghost going to be? Well, I couldn't wait any longer, and said, fuck it, and ran to the bathroom. I slowly walked back to the living room, and that damn ghost I was so scared of turned out to be the damn lights from the computer screen. I couldn't believe it. That's when I said no more ambient, and since then I haven't seen anything, only sensed slash feel. I have tons more stories, which one story involves true crime and paranormal. We'll send them in soon. Love listening to you ladies, and keep up the great work. Emma Blanchard. Oh my goodness. That's such a classic dad thing, like, oh, she's joking. I'm just going to watch how this plays out, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, if she would have gotten in her car and stuff, the mom would have been like, why don't you stop? Well, I was just going to see if she got in the car. Like, yeah. I was just going to see. That's so something that would happen to me and Carrie. Like, I would be like, I was just going to see if she what she was going to do. And I'm like, the fuck are you doing? Yes. Carrie's like, no, no, no. Let me do it. <laughs> Back in the day, y'all remember the screensavers that, like, had different, like, geometrical shapes mm-hmm. or some shit? They would, like, go into different colors or whatever. Yeah. That was my computer screensaver one time. And I thought I had, like, some kind of, like, apparition kind of thing going on. And I was like, wait, it's changing with the screen. Never mind. I hate my life. <laughs> but I was like, this is it. This is my experience. But no, it wasn't. It was just my screensaver. But, you know, you know how it goes. I've Look, I've been there and I was not on Ambien. So, I mean, I can't even laugh at you. All right, so this one is Sinister Sightings, Tom Hanks' Wannabe. Hello, my beautiful bitches. 
I would prefer if you didn't use my last name, but my first name I'm solid with. Now to the story. I grew up believing in spook spooks because, well, they're real. Anywho, I am a hospital corpsman in the USN, and I was on my second tour of duty working at a naval hospital. At the time, I was lower ranking, quotas blow, and always got the shit end of the stick when it came to bitch work. I worked on L&D at the time, and we would work shifts. For six weeks, you were on days, and six weeks, you were on nights. Well, as you know, some beautiful babies don't get to live their lives to the fullest. Insert sad emoji. With these babies, we have a process where the families can grieve and then we take the babes to the morgue. We called this the Green Mile. There had been rumors that part of the hospital was haunted. However, that was in a totally different building. So I never stressed taking the babies down there. Not once did I have an issue with any spook spooks, even though it still gave me mad creeps. The linen room was right next to the morgue. There was a door with a window that led to the morgue from this room. At night, the lights were off except one row towards the front. That row lit up just enough of the room to scare the living shit out of you. You know, like all the horror shows I watch? Yes. So every shift, someone has to go get brand new linen carts for the next shift. Here I am, pregnant as balls, taking these things down because I'm lower ranking than most and new to the deck. Minding my business, getting my little pregnant waddle on, dancing to the music on my phone, and I take them down. No biggie. I totally forgot the morgue was down there until the elevator doors open. All the chills. This was my first night shift. I'm like, stop being a little bitch and get the linen carts and go back upstairs. You watch too many movies. Huh. I get the carts all lined up and go in to get the new ones. As soon as the door opens to the linen room, it was like every hair I had stood on end. I did not want to be there. I was ready to turn around and nope the fuck away. Again, I'm like, you're new. Don't be a bitch and make a bad name for yourself. Perception is reality in the Navy. I walk in and I go to where our carts would be. This is walking close to the morgue door. As I'm walking, I swear I saw someone walk past the little window on the morgue door. No biggie though, right? Because we ain't little bitches. Wrong. I was shitting myself. Get the carts and go. Get the carts and go. Get out. Someone has to be playing a sick joke. That's all I could think. I put my hand on the cart and something told me to turn the fuck around. Why? Who the hell knows? As soon as I did, the light row fucking flickers and turns off. Here I am, breathing all heavy like I ran a marathon. And in what little light there was from the window to where I was, I was convinced it was hell. Contractions start. I am stressed. I am now hunched over, breathing through them shits, and in the back of the room, it sounds like someone is walking the fuck towards the front. I said, fuck this. If the baby is coming, it ain't gonna be here. I start pushing these carts as fast as I can to where the door should be. The door's automatic, so I'm hearing the mechanics of it clicking like it's supposed to open, but it isn't. At this point, I have fluid running down my legs. I was thinking, this is it. I'm going to die and my baby is going with a Tom Hanks wannabe. 
I am crying, sweating, and yelling. Like, get me out of here, beating on the door. The steps are getting closer, and I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Then the lights come on. Door opens, and out I came with the carts. Fuck them. We don't need the linens. We can bear back these fucking labor beds. I don't give a fuck. I'm not going back in there. I make it back to the labor deck in a fucking panic. I'm crying disheveled, and my water broke. I tell my favorite nurse slash friend what happened, and I said, I think my water broke. I get into a room, get checked for any fluids, so on. All the while, someone else goes and gets the linen. My friend just told them I was contracting and couldn't get them. They come back and report nothing crazy but fluid on the floor. I'm thinking, okay, that's just my amniotic fluid. Someone should call housekeeping. So all the tests came back. I did not rupture my membranes, which means in layman terms, I fucking peed my pants. Fucking Tom Hanks wannabe made me pee my pants. I was so scared. I never went back down there by myself and never went back at night, period. I had never told anyone this ever again other than that one friend. Thank you for listening to my terrifying experience on how I peed my pants. I love your show and can't even express how much you guys have helped me get through tough times. Much love, Linda. These stories this week, we you know what we needed? We needed this week because last week was so damn heavy. It really was. And we needed this week of just like weird, funny, I mean some weird shit that's like, ooh, what? But like, we needed this week for a palate cleanser. Definitely. Thank y'all so much for sharing your stories and... Like Linda, who's never told anyone this other than that one friend, but now she's telling all of her other friends now, and this is awesome. Yes, and you know, just like some of the stories did, we can keep you anonymous, or we can say your name, whatever you want us to do. Just let us know, and keep sending them in, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com, and remember, creep it real, and and don't don't get scared. scared.